Exodus chapter 20. Take a little break today from our series in Mark and uh, talk about something more related to Mother's Day today. Exodus chapter 20, beginning of verse number 1. If you're visiting with us and would like to follow along and you don't have a copy of the Scriptures of your own, there's certainly one there in front that I would encourage you to pick up. Or if you're holding a different translation, you want to follow along in the one that we read here. Uh, the New King James Version is what's there. And that's what I'll be reading from this morning as well. So Exodus chapter 20, that's the second book in the Old Testament. Begin reading in verse number 1. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. Any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. and We pray that, Lord, as we... Look at this just for a few moments today, uh, that you would speak to us. Father, this is your word. It is not mine. It is not any of ours. You are the one who has inspired this word. And so I pray today that we would approach it with the right heart and with the right mind, not as the words of men, but the very words of God. Speak to us. Apply it to our hearts. Fill me with your spirit that I might teach properly. Help me, Father, to say the things I should and keep me from saying anything I ought not. And help us, Lord, to be filled with your Spirit to hear. So many times our Savior said, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Give us ears to hear today, we pray, and just uh, help us. And, Lord, as we strive, as we prayed earlier, to honor mothers and uh, also to honor our Savior, help us to do that today. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is Mother's Day, and so we are going to take a little break from our study in Mark. And even though we've already said it, let me say it again, happiest, happiest of Mother's Days to all of you, my dear sisters. Since President Woodrow Wilson made it official, declaring the second Sunday in May to be a day in which we honor mothers and motherhood, churches around the land have done so on this day. Sermons are preached, and flowers are given out, and gifts are given, 
Oh, and by the way, we're going to do that at the end of the service today. I've neglected to mention that, but ladies, when you leave today, Kathy's going to be standing down there with flowers, and a couple of our teen girls are going to be standing down there with some gifts. So make sure you go out that way and receive a little token of our love for you as you leave. But, uh, you know, that's been happening, and it's not just in churches that mothers are honored on this day. I recall a friend who um, managed a restaurant uh, some years ago in a different part of the country where I lived, but uh, he told me one time that the very busiest day of the year in the restaurant business was Mother's Day because everybody takes mom out to eat on that day, uh, I guess so she doesn't have to cook. And so it's an important thing, and just as in every other year, we're once again turning our attention to the topic of mothers and motherhood. But I can't help but be reminded as I do that that it's a topic with several layers, isn't it? It starts with honoring mom, but it doesn't end there. There are a couple of other facets we have to recognize whenever we approach this. For some, it is a sad day. It's a hard day. Difficult day. For some, Mother's Day is a day of crying out to God. Some mourn on this day. And for those whom God has not yet blessed with the joy of motherhood and from whom he even seems to be withholding that, this day can be a day of frustration and sorrow in that way as well. Well, I think the Bible, God's Word, offers us some help in all of these things. And so on this Mother's Day, whether you're celebrating as mothers or yearning mothers-to-be or missing mothers who have gone on, I think we can find some help in the pages of Scripture. And that's the way I want to tackle this this morning. I want us to think about those three words. Number one, celebrating. Number two, yearning. And number three, missing. Let's look at those three things this morning. First of all, celebrating. In studying this topic, I came across this interesting little bit of research. It said this. It said, recently, social science researchers surveyed over 2,000 mothers who had children under the age of 18 and discovered that they derived satisfaction from being a mother. That's a good thing. But most of them don't feel appreciated for what they do. That's a bad thing. They found that mothers downplayed the stress and strain of motherhood, and 97% of the women surveyed said that they were very or somewhat satisfied with issues related to being a mother. 93% said the love they feel for their children is unlike any love they've ever experienced, and 81% consider motherhood as the most important thing they do. That's all sounds like good things, doesn't it? But then they said this, even with this personal satisfaction... Only 48% said they feel appreciated most or all of the time. That's not a good thing. We read a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning, the Ten Commandments. And we read that passage, of course. I'm sure you understand where I was going with it. We read that passage particularly because we wanted to emphasize number five. They're all important, but number five is for today. Verse number 12, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. If there's one thing that's clear from this passage, if there's one thing clear, it's that we ought to honor and appreciate our parents, and on this day, especially our mothers. Do you not think it a sad thing that only 48% of moms feel appreciated most or all of the time? Especially we 
people of the Bible ought to do better than that. I mean, after all, we have it as a commandment of God. How do we not do better than that? And that commandment is repeated throughout the Bible. That's not the only place we see that. Matter of fact, it's repeated multiple times in Scripture. Uh, in Leviticus chapter 19, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to all the congregation of the children of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the second law, when Moses was reminding them, uh, just as they were getting ready to enter into the promised land of all the things that he had said to them before, he repeated it again. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God has commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may be well with you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Jesus repeated it. He reminded the scribes and the Pharisees of its importance in Matthew chapter 15. He said, God commanded, saying, honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. He told the rich young ruler in Luke chapter 18 and verse 20, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 6, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It's all over the Bible. And so there's just simply no excuse for only 48% of mothers to feel appreciated. Certainly not in Christian homes, anyway, for we have the commandment of God on the matter. And by the way, before I get off the commandments of God, let me mention that the Ten Commandments are not done away with. There's not a one of the Ten Commandments that does not apply to us today. It is the moral law of God, and there's not one of them that we as Christians can rightly violate. But even if we didn't have the commandment, even if we didn't have honor your father and your mother, even if all we had was our personal experiences, even if all we could do was watch in awe as our mothers served the Lord and served their families so faithfully, would we not find all kinds of reasons to celebrate mothers on this day? Think about it. Our mothers have prayed for us. Abraham Lincoln said one time, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. Only when we get to heaven are we going to fully understand and appreciate what our mother's prayers did for us. And moms, I would encourage you to never, never, never stop praying for your kids or your family because nothing you do can impact them for time and for eternity as much as your Our mothers have prayed for us. Our mothers have taught us and led us. I've been reading a a biography of John Newton. You'll remember John Newton is the 18th century slave trader who became a preacher, and most of us would know that name because he wrote the great hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. In In that biography, I read this, and I quote, Newton's mother was a devout congregationalist and taught her only child, John, the Westminster Catechism and the hymns of Isaac Watts. But she died in 1732 when John was six, and his father's second wife had no spiritual interest. So by the time he was six, his mother had taught him the Westminster Catechism. Have you ever read the Westminster Catechism? His mother had taught him the hymns of Isaac Watts. Only six years of influence, six years that she had to teach him, and yet the imprint was there. And years later would be instrumental in this man coming to Christ. He drifted a long ways away for a long time, 
But then he came to Christ. And I wonder how much of the million-fold joys that you and I and other Christians for the last 200 years have experienced as we sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound to save a wretch like me, how much of that is due to John Newton's mother in those six years teaching and leading him. Our mothers have comforted us. I have some memories of my mother that stand out more than others. One in particular, when as a lovesick teenager who had just been dumped by a love interest, she knew exactly what to say to me. Mothers are just made like that. I don't know if you know that or not. Nobody can heal hurts. Nobody can bind wounds. Nobody can ease pain. Nobody can soul a broken heart like mom. The scripture says this, one whom his mother comforts. So I will comfort you and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem. When God wanted to compare his ability to comfort us, what did he compare it to? The ability of a mom to comfort. Our mothers have comforted us. Our mothers have provided for us. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. I know, and I've heard some women say they don't like to attend on Mother's Day because they're afraid I'm going to preach on Proverbs 31. But uh, I'm not going to preach on it. I'm just going to mention it. Proverbs chapter 31, if you flip over there. I'm not even going to read it. I just want your eyes to see a couple of things there. Because Proverbs 31 certainly describes mothers providing for us. Look there at that Proverbs 30 woman, 31 woman, that, that picture of, of this ideal woman. Notice her provision for her family. Look at verse 13. Verse 21, both places it talks about how she clothes them. Verses 14 and 15 talks about how she feeds them. Verse number 26, how she teaches them. Verse number 27, how she works hard for them. And we won't belabor it. You can read that on your own and you can scan down through that. I encourage you to do that on this Mother's Day, but it certainly is a passage that reminds us of how our mothers have provided for us. When the Lord led me to Kathy, I saw and appreciated this particular trait in her, among others, of course, but that particular one. She and I had both lost the loves of our lives to death, and my children were grown. Hers were not. And she worked tirelessly to provide for them. When we first started seeing each other, she was working two jobs. She would drive all the way into town 30 minutes one way, work that job, drive all the way back 30 minutes back to the house to change into her uniform for her second job and to maybe catch 15 minutes of sleep and then head back into town and do it again and then come back. I appreciated that trait in her. While some would have relied on the welfare system, she chose to work. She chose to provide. That's the Proverbs 31 picture, I think. And yesterday God rewarded that. as she was allowed to attend the wedding of her first daughter. And I watched her and her younger daughter as tears trickling down her cheeks at seeing Courtney all grown up. And I'm sure memories of those hard days were flooding her mind. I wonder how many, how many of us would look back on our mothers and just like the family of the Proverbs 31 woman, how many of us would rise up and call her Blessed for the way she tirelessly provided for us. Our mothers have provided for us. Our mothers have taken risks for us. 
I won't ask you to turn to this passage, Exodus chapter 2, but you might want to write it down and go and look at it on your own. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, tells us the story of Joshabed. Joshabed was Moses' mother. And she gave birth to a baby boy at the worst, perhaps, time in all of history to give birth to a baby boy. That's when a decree had come forth that all baby boys were to be killed. And so she had a baby boy. And she looked at that baby boy and she said he was beautiful and she could not do that. And so at great risk to herself, she cared for that little baby anyway. And she hid him away so nobody knew he was there until such time as she couldn't hide him any longer. And then she concocted a plan where she put him in a basket and stuck him in the Nile River and let him float down until somebody saw this baby and took pity on it. And uh, the child was raised. And, of course, the child was Moses. All this was done at great risk to herself. And were I to poll the room this morning, my guess is many could think of times that mom took a risk for you. I know I could. Our mothers have always put our needs first. Let's look at one other passage of Scripture here. First Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3 and verse number 16. This is another familiar passage you'll recognize once we get there. <coughs> but it reminds us that our mothers have always put our needs first. First Kings 3.16, two women who were harlots came to the king, to Solomon, and stood before him. And one woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. And the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child. By no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Here we see Solomon, who had taken over the throne of Israel after the death of David. And early in his reign, he had prayed for wisdom. And, of course, this is the classic first time, the big first test of the wisdom of Solomon. And we could talk about a lot of things here, but what I want us to notice is that he understood a mother will put the needs of her child first. This mother was willing to give her child away rather than to allow harm to come to it. She was willing to lose her greatest joy in order to provide for the safety of that child and the well-being of that child. I wonder, has your mother ever done the same? Maybe not to that extent, but certainly we can think of times our mother's have put our needs first. 
Our mothers have been our biggest supporters, our biggest fans. I love the story of Jesus' first miracle, the miracle of changing the water into wine at Cana of Galilee. And, of course, it's a wonderful story, and you can read about that if you want in John chapter 2. We always talk about the miracle, and we talk about the various details of it, but I love one little particular aspect of that story, and that was the fact that Jesus' mother was there, and she said this. John chapter 2 and verse number 5, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, I preached a sermon from that one, one time called the gospel according to Mary, because we could sum it all up right there, right? Whatever he says to you, do it. It's a good, there's a, a lot of thought there. But as I think about it in the context of what we're discussing today, I think it's indicative of a mother's pride. I think Mary knew what Jesus was capable of, or at least had some idea. Who knows what kind of astonishing things might have happened in that house in the years leading up to this. I've always wondered about that. But I think she was just bursting at the seams for people to see what this Jesus could do. She was his greatest fan. And have not our mothers been the same so many times? Rooting us on, cheering us on, swelling with pride at our smallest accomplishment. This past uh, Thursday, I think it was, isn't that when the chicks were painting? This past Thursday? Well, the chicks were here painting. I hopped on my motorcycle and drove through the frigid weather to Canfield to watch my three-year-old grandson, Jericho, play t-ball. Now, that was an astonishing thing. It was a sight to behold, a field filled with toddlers, sidelines filled with moms and dads, beaming with pride as we all pretended something like baseball was going on out there. (laughs) Jericho came up to bat. The coach positioned him in front of the little tee, put the little ball out there, put his feet where they were supposed to go, and Jericho took a swing. What? And he actually hit the ball. The ball dribbled out into the middle of the field where about 20 little toddlers were milling about. And they're just milling around there. Jericho sat there and looked at it. And finally, Allison shouted from the sidelines, Run, Jericho! And so he started running right toward her. She said, No! Run to first base! So he got all confused for a minute and he finally ran to first base. But he didn't stop at first base. He kept right on running. He was like Forrest Gump. He just ran right past that, and he was halfway into right field before finally she ran out there and caught him, or somebody did. I don't think it was her. And brought him back. Mom had said to run, and that's what he did. But, you know, I looked at Allison through all that, and she was just beaming with pride. I thought, good night, only a mother. Our mothers have been our biggest supporters and fans, and our mothers have stood by us no matter what. You know, we mentioned Mary at the, at the beginning, at the very first miracle, being his biggest fan, but she wasn't only his biggest fan. Mary never left his side. Mary never left him. She was right there up until the end. John chapter 19, there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother. She was there at the manger. She was there during the carpentry years. She was there when his ministry began, and she saw that first miracle at Cana. She was there during the years of popularity as the crowds were swelling. No doubt she was thrilled and proud at that time. She was there 
when the Jewish establishment turned against him. She was there when he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. She was there at the cross. She saw it all. She saw the nails, the thorns, the spear, the blood, the tears. And she heard it all right up until that moment when he said, Into your hands I commit my spirit. And she watched as his head fell forward in death. She stood by him no matter what. And have not our mothers, maybe not to that extent, but have not our mothers shown that same trait. We could go on and on with this. I, I, I could do this all morning, and, and all of us could. But I hope it's clear. We have so much to celebrate just in that little word, mother. Abraham Lincoln said again, All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. And so we have every reason in this world to obey that fifth commandment, do we not? Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. On this Mother's Day 2017, let us honor. Let us celebrate our mothers. Oh, but then there are those other two words, aren't there? There's two other words. We mentioned that first word was, Yearning. Yearning. The Bible tells us of Rachel, who watched in sorrow as her sister Leah produced child after child after child, and she was unable to do so. And Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1 says, When Rachel saw that she bore Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said to Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Hannah is another example, another one from whom God had withheld children. First Samuel chapter 1, verse 10, She was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. The desire for children seems to be something that God is built into most women. And when for reasons known only to him, he withholds it. Well, that's a particularly sorrow-filled hardship. Some yearn on a day like today for children withheld. Some of you may remember the Zancheski family. Does anybody remember the Zancheski family that attended here? They, they probably stopped attending here about four years ago. Kids participated in our youth group. Then they moved away to Warren. And now I guess they live up in the Ashtabula area. Yesterday as I was attending Courtney's wedding, my phone buzzed and I got a text and I looked at it and it was the superintendent of schools from the Ashtabula school system. And she had sent me a note saying, Do you know Deanna Zanchesky? And so we started texting back and forth. And to make a long story short, their youngest daughter, Kara, whom some of you may remember, she would have been eight or nine then, 13 now, was brutally murdered this past week. Terrible story. On the way home last night, I, I spoke with Deanna, the mother, just for a few moments on the phone. Broken. Devastated. How would you not be? Hagar in the Old Testament had been blessed with a child, but 
She came to a point where she thought she'd lost him. She thought he was dead. Faced with his death, Genesis 21, verse 16, she lifted up her voice and wept. Hagar, our friend Deanna, yearned. In their case, for children gone on. Yearning. Then finally, there's that third word, missing. We all know the reality of it. It is appointed unto man once to die. The Bible makes it so clean, clear. It's appointed unto man and moms once to die. But knowing it doesn't blunt the pain of it. Those of us who have experienced it know it. Even knowing that they're indescribably happy in heaven does not dull the throbbing pain of losing someone like that. My children feel it today. And many of you have kissed your moms goodbye and feel it today. Our dear brother Jeff's mom lies at the point of that. Our brother Don's mom lies at the point of that. And maybe others here today, and we weep with them as they get closer and closer to a Mother's Day when mom is gone. Isaac must have loved his mother, Sarah, because the Holy Spirit gives this this interesting little detail. I'm always fascinated by the seemingly strange little details that are mentioned in the Bible. He married Rebekah, and I want you to notice how the the Scripture describes that. Uh, Genesis chapter 24 and verse 67, Isaac brought her, Rebekah, into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. He missed his mom. So we know that some today are yearning, yearning for children not yet seen or, or children loved and lost. And, and I know that some in this room miss mom acutely on this day. And to such, I would not for a moment minimize the sorrow and the pain you feel. But... I would try to remind you of something. I would try to remind you that your father loves you and wants only the best for you. And he has never withheld anything without reason. Nor has he ever nor has he ever taken something or someone away arbitrarily. That reason may be hidden, but it will be clear one day. And we will thank and we will praise him for his goodness to us. My wife Beth stepped into heaven on September 18th, 2014. She met her Savior there. Glory to God. What an astonishing thought. But you know what? She also met her mom there. Her mom, whom she had missed terribly after God took her home. And suddenly the days of missing were over. She met somebody else there. She met a little baby there. That she had never known. Miscarried on a particularly devastating day. Every year on that date, she would talk about that. And now meeting that baby for the very first time, the days of yearning were over. Let's celebrate moms today. 
Let's praise God for Mother's Day. May it be the happiest of Mother's Day for everybody among us. And if you know someone who is yearning to be a mom, or you know someone who is desperately missing a mom who's going on, put your arms around them this day and comfort them this day. Let us on this Mother's Day 2017 remember the words of Paul the Apostle who said that we ought to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep.